The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Yeah. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Once she grabs, she won't let go. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. None of that soft stuff. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. None of that heavy metal stuff. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Just a little bit of jazz. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Just I like love that. it. That, that was great. Thank you. <laughs> Somebody's laughing. Big laughs out in the hall. The Rex losing their mind about a pop star, and they're taking shots at her that are bizarre. A woman with clout makes them freak out. Since her bow is going to the Super Bowl. Proving it's a plot is their new goal And we're just like, hey They are not okay Now they're upset she'll use a private jet But hey, it fixes their position on emissions A transition they'll likely take back the Truth and facts never stop these hacks So oy vey They need to calm down Stop being such clowns. It's a Taylor Swift I'm song. just like, oy Why does Taylor Swift like make them so miffed and come and unwound? They need to calm down. Kelsey's vaccine PSA got their goat. They hate that Taylor tells all their fans to vote and we're like, ooh. She was never one of you. The way they're fighting back is a real scream. They're rooting for the bluest city's team, for heaven's sakes. They call us the snowflakes. Their fear has led to smearing while conspiracies that these celebrities are choosing to appease the Biden campaign. They're insane. Dads, Browns, and Chads all getting so mad. Oy vey. Oy vey. such clowns and I'm just like Oy vey. why does Taylor Swift like make them so miffed and come and unwound they need to calm down see him criticize celebrity idolatry the mega cult has murdered irony these folks gonna choke cause the Super Bowl's woke they're writing my jokes they need to calm down such clowns and I'm just like Oy vey. why does Taylor Swift like make them so myth and coming on ground they like Why? need to calm down. <laughs> don't stop the video just yet. It's Lauren with a very quick reminder that these videos don't produce themselves, but you can help me by joining my Patreon, where for as little as $2 a month, yeah. you can help me continue to make the videos that help you laugh the news, but otherwise make you cry. Thanks. Thanks, Lauren Mayer, everybody. <laughs> In case you didn't know, that was a Taylor Swift song that she was parodying, one that I didn't know. I think it's called I Need to Calm Down or something. Somebody needs to calm down. Um, but Lauren Mayer does it again, just uh, hits one out of the ballpark. And given last night's Grammys, 
I thought that was a good one to start with today. Lauren does one of these videos every Friday. She drops them, and I don't have time on Fridays to to start with a parody song because Marcy Wheeler <laughs> graciously takes up the whole hour. Um, but uh, uh, so, uh, you know, I had a few choices once again because we've got some creative people out there, but I, I had to start with that. Um, did you watch the Grammys last night? Now, I watched them this morning. I don't know how anybody can watch those shows live. See, the beautiful thing about, uh, you know, time warping or videotape or, or, or digital video recording is that you can fast forward through all the commercials and the music and the presentations that you don't care about. So, I, you know, last night, David and I have been watching the Sopranos again from, from day one where we're just binging the whole series. So, um, if I'm a little off, <laughs> that's one reason. Um, and then, so this morning I watched the Grammys and I knew there were some parts that I really needed to listen for that. I was especially looking forward to, of course, Joni Mitchell. I mean, is she, she's just a legend. Joni Mitchell performed uh, both sides now just beautifully. I mean, she's 80 years old and um, it was just, it was emotional, you know? Uh, So there was Joni Mitchell, but you know, another amazing moment was at the very beginning when, well, not at the very, very beginning. I don't know who they opened with somebody I didn't care about, but Tracy Chapman joined Oh God, now I'm forgetting the name of the guy who is, made, you know, re-recorded her song Fast Car after all these years and made a huge hit of it. And I'm, I'm blanking on his name. That's so terrible of me. He's a, he's a country artist. Hold on. Can I find it up here? Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs. Luke Combs. So they, they, uh, they did their duet on Fast Car and he, you know, uh, gave Tracy Chapman the reverence that she deserved. Um, apparently, you know, I knew uh, the song came out in 1988 when when Fast Car, Tracy Chapman's first album came out. I was in Los Angeles working at a radio station called KNXFM. And we played that. We played it when it was new, when it was a current, as they say. And um, to see her come out, apparently she hasn't performed live in in a long long time but thanks to Luke Combs Tracy Chapman is now the first black woman to have a number one song at country radio uh to win a a a, a country music awards uh, award for best song at country radio and um and last night she she duetted with him I'd play it for you but I'd get copyright violated and it it's not worth it I will if I can remember to post those videos on the blog at nicolesandler.com slash two dash five dash 24, where today's show will be posted. So you can watch them, but it was so good. Big Al Williams in the chat room loved Fantasia's tribute to Tina Turner. I didn't think it was that great. The, the Tracy, but you know, that's the thing about music is we all have our favorite moments. Look, I thought Billy Joel's new song is just, he shouldn't have bothered. Was not very good. But seeing Joni Mitchell, seeing Annie Lennox do nothing compares to you in the very long in memoriam section was was really good. Annie Lennox is just amazing. And the thing about those three women 
who I thought dominated the Grammys for me this morning, Tracy Chapman, Joni Mitchell, and Annie Lennox. They're all three artists that I got to play on the radio for a long time. Now, today, yesterday and today are weird days for me. Because here, if you're watching uh, one of the video streams, I'm going to put something up on the screen. This was uh, the front page of the entertainment section of the Los Angeles Times 27 years ago today. And um, if, if you're listening to an audio stream, say you're listening on Progressive Voices or you're listening to the podcast or one of the other streaming radio stations that carries the show, um, the article that I'm showing, again, from February 5th, 1997, the headline reads, The Day the Music Died. DJ's fans bid farewell to KSCA's eclectic sound and each other. And it was um, a magical radio station that I got to work at for a few years um, back from 94 to 97. We were only on the air for two and a half years. Uh, The station was owned by uh, Gene Autry. Gene and Jackie Autry, we, we, they, they had Golden West broadcasters. This was their last radio station. Uh, Gene was like 90 years old, and they were selling it off. And um, uh, But, it, the, I, you know, t- 27 years later, I still hear from people how that was the best radio station they ever listened to. Well, for me, it was like the best professional moment of my life. Seriously. In fact, if you'll if you'll bear me a moment of indulgence here, because I'm still <clears throat> I'm still in that place. I'm still, you know, a, a couple of years ago on this date, we did a um I did a tribute show. Oh man, did I just lose that? Hold on, I just lost I just lost the thing that was on the screen. I was gonna play this video for you. Hold on, let me see if I can pull it up differently. Man, oh man, best laid plans and all that kind of stuff. Um, Screen capture, that's three. Will it work? Oh, no, it brought me up. I guess I need the other one. Um, Let me try one more. One more, five. There it is. Okay, so I'm going to share this video with you. This was, uh, again, it was um, uh, 27 years ago yesterday. Uh, was our last day on the air. And there was a big morning show on the air. Yeah, that was my picture in the article. Someone was, that's me crying. Um, But here, here's a video from um, KTLA, was a local Channel 5, had a big morning TV show that was very popular. And, you know, I'd I'd known them for years. Anyway, this was their coverage, uh, one of the hits they did uh, in the studio that morning. Enjoy. In show business news this morning, Los Angeles Broadcasting is losing another great station. And perhaps gaining another great one. Putting yes. a positive spin on it. In Espanol, of course. Hi, Sam. Hey, you guys. Uh, Carlos and uh, Barbara, good morning once again. We are, again, just hours away from the departure from the uh, radio airways of FM 101.9, LA's finest rock, and the station has been on the air for two and a half years. And, you know, we're in the lucky position where often uh, people who watch the KTLA Morning News send us cards and letters. And just over the course of the morning, I've been going over with the staff here, just, uh, I mean, a zillion uh, letters like this one. Uh, Robert Sanders writes, uh, when the format goes dark and all of you move on, you'll be able to say that once upon a time, you were part of something that people 
people really cared about. And I really think that's true. Uh, music radio, perhaps more so than any other format, uh, of course, invades people's consciousness. Uh, somebody who was responsible to a large degree for the music on FM 101.9, Nicole Sandler. We remember when Nicole was with Mark and Brian, and then, of course, she became the morning personality here and the music director, and we're in the music hall. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Is it hard for you this morning? It's really hard. Um, as I told you before, I kind of feel like I'm watching a really good friend die. Um, and it's not, it's not the fact that I'm losing a job. We've all lost jobs before. This place has taken on a life of its own, and it's, it's the most unique radio station I've ever worked at, and I love it. I mean, I love the fact that we've had the opportunity to introduce so many new bands and artists and, and play really good music. It's about the music. It's not about anything else around here. What, what artists have you literally... I mean, this is a very... This room is not four feet by four feet. What have you... Uh, people who have been in here, um, Elvis Costello, David Byrne, uh, you can look on the wall, Chris Isaac, um, most everyone who's been in here signed, <coughs> excuse me, I'm losing my voice, it's been kind of emotional, Lyle Lovitz right there, um, from the small people that, that maybe you don't even know of to the big ones, uh, Chris Isaac is there again, Wild Colonials, Freddy Johnston, um, Francis Dunnery, Adrian Ballou. Sarah Hickman, um, Cheryl Crow, and her band. Tori Amos is right here with her little drawing of a piano. And you said you said Tori had an interesting experience with the radio station. Um, well, she's been here twice. She's played in this in this very room twice. Um, she she oh the, the experience we did a thing with Tori at the Cinegrill, where we had ten winners and their guests and. It was on a Sunday afternoon, and when everyone came in, they were sitting in seats. She walked in the room. She's like, oh, no, no, no. Come gather around me. Oh. And, and she sat on the floor by the piano, and everyone sat around her, and she spoke to each and every person there, had a personal conversation, so the room felt like they knew each other. And then she played about three or four songs. It was one of the most emotional, wonderful days. But we're loaded with... with memories like that from this place. And, you know, viewers have been, uh, viewers, I should say, listeners have been very generous, I think, to the people at FM 101.9. Look at Nicole's uh, computer, and she just spun these off of her website. And these well, are... This, these are just emails that I've downloaded. I, I, the last couple of days I've been going in, and I downloaded, last night I had, I think it was 180 messages, the night before, 279. All these dots are we... ones that I haven't read yet. And look at the, a very sad day, how and why, thanks for the music, talk about the passion, thanks and goodbye. Um, thank you, thank you, so long for now. Oh, gosh. Let us go into the studio where a lot of us all uh, took place. We were here last hour, and they now have a gathering. What's going to be on the air today? Uh, well, we're each, each uh, disc jockey is taking a, a shift of about two hours and playing kind of what we want to play to say goodbye. Have you thought about what you're going to play? Oh, yeah. I'm going to be here from 11 to 1, and I, I pretty much know what I'm going to be playing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And now we're going to try. Here's a dramatic thing that we're going to try. All right, I'm going to cut, cut it off here there. because it got it got all weird. Uh, not that it wasn't weird before, but uh, that video is posted, if you want to watch the rest of it and some other stuff, on at NicoleSandler.com under, um, uh, the, there's a menu, uh, like a navigation menu uh, under the logo along the top. And it says about Nicole. And under there is, that's where the goodies are, um, press. So that's under press along with a bunch of other stuff. Um, there's um, uh, a, a bunch of the interviews and performances from that little room we were in that we called the music hall because it was a hallway between the production room and the air studio. That was my boss, the the wonderful late, great Bill Ward, um, who uh, who died 
some years, 20 years ago, probably already or more. And um, yeah, so that's the world I came from. And and God, I miss those days. And so um, yesterday I was in that kind of a a mindset where 27 years ago, like the best part of my professional life ended. Um, and I was remembering all the music and I, I was just sort of living in the past. And, and then I watched the Grammys this morning and the biggest moments were artists that I got to play on the radio back then. So anyway, there is, if you're not familiar with it, I'm going to, I'm going to learn you something. Um, the internet archive, are you familiar with this thing? Cause it's pretty amazing. And I've tried to get somebody on the air to talk about it, but uh, they've, they never get back to me. But if you go to if you search the Wayback Machine, what they did, and it's at archive.org, they started like, um, uh, not trolling. Um, it, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm drawing a blank. They they started scrubbing the, the internet and saving, um, you know, uh, websites. So I, I'm, I'm going to bring this up here just to show you. I see Jonathan's here. Sorry, Jonathan. Hold on one second. I just, I have to finish this thought. So if I go to um, archive.org and I'll, I'll just, of course, I had a typo in it. See, these are the times when, when I need a better producer than the one I have, um, which is me, by the way. I, I, I don't diss anyone but myself. Okay. Archive.org and it doesn't want to come up. Um, now, see, now it's it's fucking with me. All right, let me try it this way. Way back machine. Okay, Internet Archive. It's at archive.org. There we go. So I'm just going to show you that radio station, KSCA, had one of the very first radio station websites. And I designed it with... Um, with uh, uh, the guy who used to book the troubadour. We'd sit in his office in the back and, um, and, 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 and do that. Um, and he would show me all this stuff on the internet and how he was building websites. So, all right, so I'm searching in here for KSCA. And um, let's see what happens when I click on KSCA. Of course, now that I'm trying to show you this, it really doesn't want to do it. Okay. KSCA.org. That's not it. KSC. You know what? Maybe if I put in KSCA.com, that will. Do. Okay. So you see this menu up here? It shows you here it is today, 2024. And you can keep going all the way back. And you see this whole thing just starts in 1996. So there's a, a, a little highlighted area here that I just clicked on. And of course, I screwed that up too. Um, highlighted area, 1996. So I'm clicking on that, and it's going to show you on here the calendar view on days that they 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 crawled. That's what it's called. Crawled. They crawled the site and they archived it. So here, I'll click on December 22nd, 1996, and it will bring up at 2:38 in the morning, I don't know, maybe, and it'll bring up the screenshot, not just the screenshot either, but the, the, um, the website, if it'll work. Come on. You see, it usually goes fast, and I'm trying to, oh, and you're not even seeing it because I don't have that screen up here. Here you go. Um, come on, uh, the thing, open. 
Now it doesn't want to work for me. But what it, if it worked, <laughs> it would show you. See, back at the beginning, we were one of the few places that had a website back when the, when the, here we go. It's finally loading. It's loading very slowly, and I don't know why. KSCA supports the right to free speech. It's loading really slow. It's like it's loading like it was 1994. So there was our landing page. It's a picture of Albert Einstein holding an electric guitar with the FM 101.9 sweatshirt on. It says, click my brain. And that was our landing page. A listener drew that for us because we were like intelligent rock and roll. And of course, wow, this is going really slow. Um, I just want to show you the 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 the, the very um, uh, um, rudimentary website we built. Here we go. So it was the website, and you'll see if it ever loads. This this rectangle on the bottom was a radio tuner, and it was the actual tuner that was in the office at the Troubadour that Zach scanned. And, and the different things on it, it's the studio, program guide, concerts, music hall, conference room, listener services, and email. Um, those were the links to the different pages on the website. But this was, this was the basic website. The conference room was actually a chat room, and I think it's still live here. I mean, some of the links work, some don't. But this is like radio history. This, is 19, this was 1996. The station was on the air from July uh, 1st, 94, to, um, uh, to, to uh, yesterday, to February 4th, 1997. All right, and so these were the chat rooms. And this was the message. We did one of the first chats with, a, um, with a, uh, an artist. Lisa Loeb came in one day. You see all this? Uh, let me see if I can make it a little smaller so you can see. Um, these are all people just commenting on the radio. So, so we were we were ahead of the curve. So Lisa Loeb came in to perform in the musical, and we did one of the first radio station chats. And now here we are, 27 years after the day the music died. And yes, that was me on the right. Um, it, you know, I, it's just... Uh, I don't know. It, the, the, the entire radio landscape has changed so much. And let me give you a, a hint of something to read. I've been trying to get the author of this article on the air, but I've written to her and she hasn't responded. But in Rolling Stone magazine, there's a piece on the uh, educational, what's it called? Educational radio something, media. E, I think it's ERM or EFM. Um, that have bought up all these radio stations around the country and turned them to uh, the way, the way FM or things like that. It's all Christian and I, rock. I'm doing air quotes on rock. They have taken stations like a legendary station, WPLJ in New York, where I worked when I was just a little kid. Um, the Loop in Chicago. Um, stations in every damn city, and it is, I think they call it K-Love or The Way, or they have a few names, but it's all canned. It's all out of some place in somewhere. That didn't happen to this station. This station, KSCA, went Spanish. <laughs> it went Spanish language like marimba music, and it was just, it was heartbreaking. Um, and I still 
there, there's a, a Facebook group still dedicated to that station. I still get email from people saying, we miss you. Um, it, it is kind of amazing the role media can play in, well, certainly in my life, but even in the lives of the listeners who, uh, you know, if you go on my Facebook page, you have to send me a, a friend request because I made it private because trolls were trolling me. But the... Um, uh, it, it, 27 years later, my Facebook page is filled with people going, that was the best radio station I've ever heard. And, you know, and I miss those days. And here, I can't even play music on here because I get, I get, I get copyright violated. Um, <laughs> so this is, it's sort of an awkward segue, but Jonathan Larson from the fucking news. Sorry, I've been, I've been waxing um, melancholy, Ish. I can't believe WPLJ is now YHWH. That's crazy. Right? So I worked at PLJ. That's I'm amazing. Myself I never here. knew that before. From 1985 to 1987, I produced Jim Kerr and the Morning Crew. And crazy. so Jim is still a, a dear friend. Um, I left him to move out to L.A. in 87. And from 94 to 97, worked on this just Amazing. I worked with, first I worked at, at a station called KNX FM. Then I went to KLSX. It's radio. You go everywhere. Then I became, um, or KLSX first. And, and then I, I produced the Mark and Brian show. I don't know if you're familiar with Mark and Brian, but we ruled mornings in Los Angeles. And then I got wind of this format that was growing. It was called AAA Radio. It stood for Adult Album Alternative. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. That's why I got into radio, not to, you know, babysit two overgrown kids, although I had fun with them. The, this format played all the music that I loved. And so I found the guy who was like the consultant for this format, who was based in Boulder, Colorado. His name is Dennis Constantine. And I emailed him or I wrote him a letter. I don't know if email was even around then. It was. We didn't have computers yet at, at uh, KLOS. And, and I said... I, I know what you're doing with at KBCO in Boulder, Colorado, in this format, and I, I, that's what I want to do. I'd love to talk to you if you know. And he said, "Well, let me know if you're ever in Boulder, and you know we'll get together." I said, "Okay, I'm coming." He said, "When?" I said, "When can you meet?" Yeah, right. So I booked a flight, flew out to Boulder, and he said, "Your timing couldn't be any better. I'm in talks with the general manager of the station owned by Gene Autry in Los Angeles, and we're going to change it. It's going to be AAA." I'm like. I have to be part of it. And I was, and it was this magical moment. And 27 years ago yesterday, sold right at the beginning of consolidation. Thank you, Bill Clinton, because the price of this radio station that had a lousy signal throughout LA, um, you know, it, it, it sold for like over a hundred million dollars, which was unheard of at the time. And, you know, the rest is history, but um, yeah, I get into these moods every now and then, especially when one of these dates roll around and so, and then watching the Grammys this morning, as I did, seeing like the best moments were all artists that we played. Joni Mitchell, Tracy Chapman, Annie Lennox, um, you know, and so anyway, there's still a handful no, of these Joel. stations. We didn't really play much <laughs> Billy Joel. No, because you know what? We played a lot of he eclectic. Cool anymore then. He, well, he really wasn't, you know, think about it in the nineties. I remember. You know, maybe I'd play like Piano Man or something off of that album as as a as a you know to go with one of the daily specials, not part of the regular programming. But we right. broke new artists. We I did the first Los Angeles radio interview with Dave Matthews. 
Wow. When when the first album came out, Under the Table and Dreaming, we were the only station in town. We played What Would You Say? So that was the first single. And he came up and did a performance. And I have that. I mean, I, I've interviewed David Byrne was our first guest on the air of Talking Heads in, this, in the music hall, which was the hallway between two studios. It was a magical time in radio. And what's really sad is with the exception of a handful of radio stations around the country, the magic is just gone. It doesn't exist anymore. And you can't even recreate it on the internet because they've never updated the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. So is what I was talking about. I can't play any of those songs from the Grammys because I'd get copyright violated and suspended right. from YouTube. So for like 20, 30 years, nobody has, has done anything on this front. Right. Um, so the internet, it obviously has taken over everything, but you, you can't play music on a podcast legally because there's no mechanism to put a song in and get clearance for it. So these are the things that I think about when I'm not working or making art or something. Anyway. Well, I was also happy to hear the, uh, the tribute to archive.org. <laughs> it's so good. So they have all it's those, crazy. right. They have all those websites and, and that old yellow website that it's archived up there is just amazing to I can go you go have to go all the way back to the beginning and you know we built that thing and then there's another part of it that has audio collections they have got books on archive.org and I've got a collection of music hall interviews and performances up there oh, cool. I've had everyone from Sting to the Indigo Girls, to, I mean, bands that you haven't heard of, Boxing Gandhis and the Bodines and, you know, just... Who the Bodines? You know the Bodines? They're, they're still kicking. They're still out there. But all these bands that came through and played for us, I've got a bunch of them posted up at archive.org. And if you go search for KSCA Music Hall or search my name, they'll all come up. And it's all free and you can listen. I just wanted that stuff to live on because there's... We just, yeah. I we mean, just have to make sure the billionaires don't get their hands on uh, Wikipedia and with the Wayback Machine. Right. Well, and it's the same kind of thing. The Wayback Machine is just so awesome. I'm still going to keep trying to get somebody from archive.org up. or And Wayback Machine is the official name of this um, to talk about what they do because they, they need help. But I guess yeah. they, don't, they don't have a press office. So it's hard to get a hold of somebody who can come on and do public relations for them. Maybe that's a good job someone should create for themselves. Anyway, anyway, here we are. Jonathan Larson is here. He, um, he, he, he as I put in my thing, you've known him since before you knew him. Jonathan Larson worked on Countdown with Keith Olbermann and you created Up with Chris Hayes, which was the better Chris Hayes show. And I like Chris Hayes. <laughs> I still do. But Up was a great show. I get up early. Um, was a great show. And we especially loved the pastry dish. You know, that <laughs> was right. a character on the show. Yeah. Um, you worked at Air America Radio on Morning Sedition, which was uh, and coming from someone who produced two Radio Hall of Fame morning shows, Jim Kerr and Mark and Brian. I'll tell you something. Wow. Morning yeah. Sedition was one of the best. Um, oh, it was just you. such a great show. And um, I still have a problem with Danny Goldberg because of it. Present, old president of Atlantic Records came in and, and just gutted it. And that was the end of that. Mark Maron, of course, has gone on to bigger and better things. But so, well, I mean, someone's got to put Mark Green on the air, you know? <laughs> oh, 
Oh, someone had to. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, or not. Yeah. Not really. Um, yeah, not really. Apparently, someone had <laughs> someone to. Someone had to. Danny, Dan. You know, it, well, if another not day. you, who? Not if me. Not now, it wouldn't then. have been me. <laughs> and it was then. So every decent radio station out there somehow gets destroyed by somebody who comes in and thinks they know better. The problem with Danny Goldberg was he came in thinking this, we're going to be, you know, we got to help get votes. We got to get Democrats elected. We got to do. No, the number one goal of any radio show or network or entertainment entity is entertainment. You got to have, you got to entertain the people. The politics has to be secondary. And, and Danny Goldberg didn't get that. Uh, he knew music really well. He managed some amazing artists. Um, um, but anyway, that's, that's that, that's that. Um, what I want to talk about. So Jonathan Larson did all those things, most recently worked with the Young Turks. And now due to whatever's going on over there, you're back with the fucking news, which is something that you did for a very short period a few years ago. Was it just you were in between jobs? It was a lot. It was actually quite a while ago. Was it? Now. It was a while I think ago. It, I think it lasted more than a year when I did it last time, and then it's come back sporadically. Um, and it was. It was. I, I. I had been at the Daily Show very briefly early on in my career, and the fucking news was kind of my attempt to see could you could you make like the most important news every day into something that if it wasn't exactly funny was at least sort of compelling and engaging. And would would grab people's attention, and and enough people seemed to like it that um, once once they dissolved my unit, the original reporting at TYT, um, I thought, you know what, let let's see if there's still an appetite for this. Even though I think I've changed, um, and my approach to news and you know political comedy has changed, I think quite a bit. I, I there I I've been getting a lot of a lot of love. So far for the revived version, which is really good. Well, I'm glad to glad to hear that. And also, I, I left out of the little, you know, I can't do you, your entire resume every time. But you also worked on I'm the Daily well. Show with John Stewart. So, you know, that's the prime example of news delivered with a bit of irreverence in a comedic fashion, and it cuts through the noise. I, I don't know. I know there have been studies done. I can't cite any of them, but it, you know, people. I think you hit a younger demographic, first of all, when you do it that way. And they seem to get it, where if you're just doing a dry newscast, they tune it out. They're not listening or they don't believe you. That's the latest, you know, last decade or two development, which is just not believing what we're being told. Can you imagine people saying, well, that's Walter Cronkite. I don't believe anything he says. It wasn't <laughs> I mean, like there that. There were then. people saying that, but but I to, to your point, obviously he occupied an iconic place in in the American political firmament. And any politician in the country, including sixteen hundred Pennsylvania, they knew that if Walter Cronkite said something that was a problem for them, it was a problem for them. They well, he was that, Uncle sure. Walter. He was trusted, and yeah. news people—they were mostly newsmen back then. They were trusted. And now it's this, we got into this thing of, I don't believe you. Um, back, I want to say during the Bush years, mostly, I think that's when it really grew. It's like, just, you know, you'd say something and the answer was, I don't believe you. That's made up. Donald Trump, of course, called it all fake news. Anything that didn't agree with him or didn't promote his uh, viewpoint 
fake news. It's a lot. And there that's why I talk about opposite world now. We live in this alternate reality where um nothing you can't you don't you can't believe anything even the the voices that you know you can trust everything is sort of seen through this funhouse mirror that everything is is kind of um, skewed in a weird way. And someone's always going to say that you're making it up, even the people so who are making it up. I sort of think that there is a, a really sort of fundamentally healthy aspect to a lot of the news skepticism we're seeing now. I think the problem arises not so much because of the skepticism, which in theory is a good thing, could drive people right? to look into other news sources, right? right? The problem is I think also culturally, we're in a space now where everyone's been raised to think that that the opinions that they pull out of their butt are made of gold and they're unassailable because they're their opinions. And everyone thinks my opinion is deserves just as much respect as that Nobel Prize winning guest, right. <laughs> you know, or whoever it might or be. Or I, I do my own research. But exactly. the problem they is they're capable of they, it. Right. But you're not a scientist. You're not a right. doctor. You're not. a. But the people think, well, I do my own research. I know better than the experts. Well, no, right. you really don't. And culturally, I think we've become I think it's a real problem. We've become much less comfortable with the idea of I should not be this certain. <laughs> and I there should be a very high bar mm -hmm. for me to uh, stake a claim, stake territory that is that is definitively outside the mainstream scientific or even empirical consensus. Like that should be a really big step for people who don't know what they're talking right. about. At the very least, stay in the I have no idea what I'm talking about zone, but don't stake a claim. Anyway, you know yeah. what I'm saying. Anyway, so that it's just changing landscapes over the, something else that changed. How's this for a segue? Last week, we talked about your big reporting of the week, which was on the National Prayer Breakfast, which took place at the end of last week. When we spoke last Monday, you didn't know yet where it was going to be held. Well, maybe they kept it under wraps for a reason, or maybe they just didn't have the details worked out yet uh, because they needed approval to move the national prayer breakfast into statuary hall what the so, hell yeah how so it, as far as i can tell the first time members of congress were notified that it was going to be held in statuary hall which which just so people understand that's right outside the rotunda yes. this is this is practically the closest you can get to the heart of congress that's not both chambers statuary hall is is House of Representatives territory. It's and what, as far it's, as I can tell. It's where for, it's where all the statues are, first of all. But you, you on January 6th, it's where you saw the guy with the Confederate flag traipsing through. It's where they smeared shit literally on the floors and stuff. It's that big whopping hall that I just don't know how they were able to hear it because it's so echoey. But it's a it's what's it's iconic inside the Capitol. And this it's just and the mind symbolism, blowing. I to think, me. Um, you know, there are non-symbolic reasons that that people have concerns about this, but the symbol, the symbolism of having a private organization, which is what runs it, that is funded by dark money, yep. that is um, non-sectarian on paper, but in practice, the board is entirely Christian. 
Um, the the ceremony itself, the 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 service, the whatever you want to call it, the program was um, entirely Christian. Yep. Um, and the there's there's something very pointed, I think, and for a lot of people problematic about having that event with the official imprimatur of the most uh, extreme Christian nationalist openly that we've seen as Speaker of the House in modern history. That event could not happen there without his say so. And this is coming in in a week where he had participated in or facilitated multiple um, displays of extremist religiosity. So to have that, as you point out, in that that secularly sacred space, which was defiled not just by feces, but also by Christian symbolism. Yes. Crosses and, and banners and all these kinds of things. Oh my. They were literally bringing theocracy into the heart of the capital by force through violence, and they ultimately failed, but they succeeded peacefully, legally, with the help of Speaker Mike Johnson last Thursday. It was Not only Speaker Mike Johnson, but you know what? President Joe Biden went along with it. He was sitting right there in the front row next to Mike Johnson. And on the other side was Hakeem Jeffries, the leader of the Democrats, who I, I don't know what his personal religious beliefs are, but I don't think he's Christian. He might be. But, it, but it, 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 uh, why didn't somebody fight back against this? Well, I mean, to your point earlier, you can only fight back if you know. Right. And the invitations, as far as I can tell, the first time word even went out about this was January 15th. It wasn't publicized. That wasn't a press release. That was an email sent to members of Congress. And it's Mike Johnson's hall. He's allowed to do with it as he will. And no one found out about it until I think literally the night before. And uh, I believe it was me who broke the story. I'm not sure the mainstream media are sort of attuned to what's going on here well enough for them to pay attention, let alone to care. But but I do want to point out, and, and I can't take credit for this, someone else who was watching the event pointed this out to me. Uh, I haven't confirmed this, but there was no mention of Nancy Pelosi, and there was no mention of Chuck Schumer. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah. I would think, you know, Chuck probably didn't go, um, I, I'm guessing. Uh, and, it would have been very, very unusual if both of them were there not to have President Biden include them because he did call out other people. Uh, he did mention Klobuchar. He did mention Buttigieg being there. It would have been very, uh, you know, a breach of etiquette and protocol, not to mention the Senate leader and the Speaker Emerita. Now, something else, and I believe you posted this photograph. So this is during the actual ceremony breakfast. Um and it, so this is not beforehand. This is while it was going on. Looks like there are a whole lot of empty seats there, doesn't it? So that's so that's a screen grab, as you can see from the bottom right, and I do mean right, of yes. uh, the Christian Broadcasting Network. And yes, this was after the official start time. It was after the events had begun. And this was a program that included what, for members of Congress, was a free concert by Andrea Bocelli. Oh, God, that's right, Andrea Bocelli. And, so, and you couldn't fill the seats in an exclusive free concert for Andrea Bocelli? That, to me, is kind of amazing. Now, it's also, I didn't see, aside from your work, I didn't see much coverage of it. There have been years where they've broadcast 
the National Prayer Breakfast, which turned my stomach. But but they have this year. It was very under the radar, wasn't it? It was was on C-SPAN. It was on the White House website, I believe, I think. Don't hold me to that. But it was it was where it usually was. And it got sort of like the the anodyne mentions afterwards. You know, there were the obligatory write ups saying, you know, President Biden calls for peace. It's like, oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> that's interesting yes <laughs> you mean like in a new policy way or just the kind of like platitudinous way oh okay platitudinous <laughs> fine whatever back to business yeah weird weird stuff now I, I i when we were we were chatting texting about what you know what we were going to talk about today and we mentioned to, to get do a post-mortem on the prayer breakfast the fact that it was in statuary hall uh, if there was coverage of it, nobody made a big deal of it. Again, other than that I saw, other than your reporting, people should know that this is what our public space is being used for. And I'm sorry, there is in the Constitution separation of church and state, even if the Republicans are trying to tell you it isn't there. And they are, but it is. I, I want to I raise a, a sort of practical point to this as well, which is that it's really important to understand, and I don't think a lot of Democrats do, that the National Prayer Breakfast is not in a vacuum. It's sort of um, part of a continuum, a spectrum, that as you follow it along the wavelengths, you get further and further right, more mm-hmm. radical. There were people, uh, both domestic uh, religious extremists and international uh, guests of the family, the group behind it, which which stages their own separate but totally parallel and simultaneous event called the NPB gathering. Now you might say, well, might that not cause some confusion? Yes. <laughs> and Wait, so what happened? Simultaneous? Is, so it was at the same time? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They broadcast it. I mean last year Biden even said, hi guys. Right. In he his did a, in his remarks. That's right. That didn't happen this year though. I think that's worth pointing out too. For as 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 sort of shocking I think in a secular sense, as shocking as it was to see the National Prayer Breakfast taking place in Statuary Hall, as shocking as that was, um, we didn't see Pelosi, we didn't see Schumer, and Biden, there was no acknowledgement, let alone a direct remark to them, as Biden did last year. So I oh. do think I do think it's a shift. It's mm. it's maybe a little bit of a wash. Baby yes, steps, there are some right, right. Yeah, maybe. But but all of these people who go to the National Prayer Breakfast gathering held by the family, they say to their followers or their countrymen and women back home, they say, I've been invited to the National Prayer Breakfast. So they get that sort of draft of prestige and honor and status and this presumed connection to U.S. politicians. That's a big boost Hmm. to them if you're in a country where it's very hard to access U.S. politicians, not just because they won't take your call, but also you're supposed to be vetted by the State Department, by the CIA, before you can open those lines of communication. Right. So that it, it, that's why I, I say it's it's important to realize that it wasn't just this event. That event sort of exists as a touchstone for this constellation of other events that sort of draft off of that and 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 sort of use for their own purposes the prestige and the semi-official veneer that right. it's given to to sort of cloak themselves in that semi-governmental semi 
theocratic right. mantle. You know, in, in the uh, we're speaking with Jonathan Larson. He's the man behind the fucking news at thefuckingnews.substack.com. You need to subscribe because it, it's it's worth it. It's you need to. It's it's great reading and it's a it's a humorous delivery of the news it's it's just a you know it's a way to cut through the dry because i i i subscribe to so many newsletters and i wake up in the morning and i go through them all and i i pull out what i think is important but it's most of it is really dry and really you know boring reading but yours is is entertaining and informative which is what you strive for um the thing to keep in mind though these prayer breakfasts um And it's more than just these two. So when we were communicating this morning, I was telling you, you know, Nancy Mace is in the news again for the singular achievement of having 100% staff turnover in her D.C. office since November. Everybody has left. They all quit except for the chief of staff who was fired. Um, And I don't know if that prompted the others to quit, but 100% of her staff has turned over since November. And the re- the remarks about her, the, the woman's just off her rocker. She's nuts. I remembered something that I, I, tr- I said, I thought it was last year at the National Prayer Breakfast. Well, it wasn't. It was at Tim Scott's prayer breakfast ah, last year. Right, right, right. So there are other prayer breakfasts. And of course, Tim Scott has a prayer breakfast. But this was Nancy Mace just uh, last year, saying this at the prayer breakfast, and it did not go over all that well. Here's what she said. Um, But want to thank you for pulling this together. Another year, another standing room only event. And when I woke up this morning at 7, I I was getting picked up at 7.45. Patrick, my fiance, tried to pull me by my waist over this morning in bed. And I was like, no, baby, we don't got time for that this morning. Uh, I got to get to the prayer breakfast. And I got to be on time. And a little TMI. But um, I... He can wait. He's got, we got, I'll see him later tonight. Um, But I was here early today for you, Tim. And I think everybody, (laughs) everybody was here early for you today. Oh my God. There, you know, you got to know your audience. That was not the serious flop sweat. It was like, whoa, what you're talking about premarital sex and, and that he wanted it in the morning and he pulled you over by your waist. And I could just see those Jesus evangelical kind of people who have no problem with Donald Trump, but have problem with a woman talking about premarital sex, you know, before the prayer. And I actually love that she was so sort of sex casual or even sex positive. Like that's refreshing to me. Yes. But I think let's, but there, not in front that. of that audience. That was like, know your audience. Well, yeah. Although, you know what? Maybe they should know <laughs> the people in their ranks, too. Like, uh, you know, the, why should she have to conform to their, their you know, hidebound? That, well, that's uh, right. So why why doesn't like, Donald Trump just grab some pussies at his rallies every day when he does that? I mean, that's him, right? Uh, it, He's a That's rapist. More sex negative, but I take your point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, he said it on the Access Hollywood tape. When you're a star, they let you do it. Why they doesn't he do say it. these things? You know, talk about all the women that he's stooped, other yeah. than his wife. By the way, we I haven't can't... seen malaria lately, have we? Is that what you call her? <laughs> I kind of, I kind of liked the um, the Nancy Mace office turnover story. 
I think it's like the legislative equivalent of the four minute mile. It's like, you know, well, that's, <laughs> that's a record, you know, what, what is it? Three months, the entire staff is entire gone. Staff. Like that's pretty impressive. Right. But I also think it's really important to, to take note of this, not just of course, for the fun and gratifying confirmation bias aspects of ha ha, look at the clown show. But I think it's really enlightening that it, it demonstrates something about the limits of the type of people and the type of thinking that you're seeing in those quarters, right? If they think, because, because they all buy into Donald Trump's notion that I alone can fix it. Right. If I think it, it's spun gold. And so it's very hard to, to succeed in a collaborative team-based environment or workplace that way. You cannot. And so that's why I think we see one failure after another from these folks. They, they, you know, there were a few, a few years ago we had, um, uh, we had the, the woman who was a witch O'Donnell. Oh, 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 I remember. Uh, Christine O'Donnell, right? Christine O'Donnell, right? We have these periodically yes. and they have these great flame outs, Sarah Palin being sort of the, the, you know, Uber example of it for a while. And then they flame out. Why? Because the, the because of the same thing that made them huge. Look at the hubris on this person. Look at the extreme things they say. Well, yeah, that's what makes them so compelling to to watch, like someone on fire. But people on fire don't last very long. But what? Right? what how did, then what? Donald Trump. How do you explain Trump? Explain what about Trump? How he's still there. How the evangelicals still embrace him. I mean, of all people, you know, I sure. remember they used to call. Uh, they they used to say Obama was the Antichrist. It, look, I'm I'm the atheist Jew here. I don't know from Christ, Annie, whatever. But I but if for my impression of what I think the Antichrist is, it, it it's Donald Trump. This well, not to be like a Bible nerd about yes. this, because I'm not a Bible nerd. Right. But but in the sort of modern day evangelical telling, like I actually read the Left Behind book oh, and God. the sequel. Oh my God. Not all of them, but the first <laughs> two. The the evangelical notion of the Antichrist is the opposite of Donald Trump. It's a very smooth talker who unites the world. It's ah, not an isolation. Ah, this is so who, it was Obama. Diplomacy. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> like, if you go by the text, <laughs> the good text, um, Obama had that a lot a lot more sort of plausibly than than Trump did. But I think, I think to your point about Trump, um, I would argue he did flame out, right? He, he, he basically has not, been able to transform his 2016 victory mm -hmm. into any victories since then. You know, I mean, you know, they, yes, they yes. narrowly captured the house. But, but that as was, much as the 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 media, the corporate cable new so-called news industry tries to make it just this morning i had one of the channels on in the background and they're screaming about yet another poll with donald trump you know uh, uh, six points ahead of joe biden it's like, give it a rest already the polls don't mean anything at this point in a sure. rate yeah so so we know you know biden's old right-wing media keeps telling us that well guess what trump is as well the polls mean nothing at this point other than, all right, you need to work on Hispanic outreach or what, you know, 
But they're already talking, oh, there's no way Joe Biden can't win with this, the numbers. It's like, stop it. It's the horse race thing that you did last week so well. If only there were any recent examples in our history of polls not being accurate predictors nine months out. (laughs) Go figure. None of it makes sense. So (laughs) there are are some other news going on today. Uh, The Senate. I guess over the weekend came up with a, a deal, the, a final deal to bring to the House. And Mike Johnson again says, oh, well, yeah, we know the border is a big problem. We've been telling you that for years. And but uh, and I said we were going to do something. But now I, I had the the Antichrist whispering in my or the not Antichrist whispering in my ear. And so we're not going to do that. It's DOA. They're not even going to debate it. The Senate bill is just dead on arrival, and they're not going to deal with border security until after the election because it's not that big a problem. Well, I think I, 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 you may be ahead of this in a way that I'm not, but I'm not sure that it's absolutely dead in the House. I thought I saw some some murmurings today from Republican House members who thought, no, 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 who were saying we, we've got to at least... I've got to at least get a vote on the record, right? Sometimes they'll at least allow them to vote so they can say to their constituents in November, I voted I voted right. for this thing or against whatever it might be. But the other thing, and this might have happened while you were already on the air, my uh, I, I saw right before I joined you, the Border Patrol Union has endorsed the deal Ooh. and said, this is better, this is far better than doing nothing. We need this. This will have a material impact Good. on border security. Now, I have my own feelings on border security and the the ravening hordes yes. invading our nation, but that's a very tough position for Mike Johnson to be in now, with some of his own party balking at killing a deal on a bill that he hasn't even that Johnson hasn't even read yet. Right. While the Border Patrol Union, you know, a more holy holy group you could not find in Republican eyes right now, they're saying. We need this deal. They've they've proactively come out and said, this is important to us. Please give this to us. Mm-hmm. A very tough political position, especially since Biden has shown a willingness to go so far to the right on the rights of asylum seekers and border, you know, militarization and all right. that stuff. Oh, there is there and then there's the fighting amongst the the Republicans. Um, you got uh, uh, Mike Lee and, and who is it, Langford going at it. Mike Lee just wants to be more and more Trumpy. I mean, boy, that's a guy who's just a pendulum, isn't he? So that's a really interesting. Oh, Mike Lee. Yeah, I think he's pretty consistent. If he's a pendulum, I would say he's been this way the entire time. Like this, he has his this, moments of being sensible, and then he, then he. That, that, right? That's true, but I don't think in a way that's necessarily at odds with the other moments. Gotcha. But yeah, so Point so taken. Langford, just so folks. No, Langford was the lead slash only Senate Republican negotiator on this deal. Mm -hmm. And Mike Lee and others were pissed off that they were left out of the negotiations. They didn't know that much about it. So Mike Lee is out there complaining about this bill and Langford is firing back. They're both talking to the the hated satanic Democrat gay mafia controlled media, (laughs) right? They're both airing their dirty laundry and sharing their grievances and beating Mm -hmm. up on each other. Um, and the point I, I made to you is that those two, this is not really material to, to the specific debate, but 
those two are very core members of the family, the group behind uh, the original prayer breakfast. Yep. And their whole rationale, the entire premise for doing these prayer breakfasts is that prayer is a unifying force. <laughs> and here they are three, four days after the big national unification, and they're going to the Satan uh, satanic journalists and saying, Mike Lee's full of it. James Langford is, is negotiating deals without us. This is the party eating itself and they're the minority. Like it's, it's, it's goes step back to the point I was making before about being on fire. Like Langford's the closest thing. He's very hard, right? Conservative theocratic, but he's sort of the closest thing, you know, you might find in, in leadership other than McConnell to sort of like a recognizable old Republican. Um, and so he probably does not appreciate all the nipping at his heels that Mike Lee has been doing. And and now you've got Mike Johnson joining in. <laughs> well, good. I hope they just keep going. Just keep it going. It's like the hamster on the on the treadmill, just in the circle thing. Keep going, guys. Republicans it's more eating like their three own cannibalistic time. hamsters. <laughs> it's crazy. It's it's very, very wild. But I also don't see how you avoid it in a party that's decided Donald Trump and the way he operates is the be all end all. This seems oh, to God. me like a pretty logical foreseeable outcome. Right. And it's because of this, I say, stop it with the polls. Yeah, the polls are going to be horrible. People are going to tell you whatever. They're not going to vote for the uh, twice impeached uh, failed former guy who has 91 criminal indictments hanging over his head and, and is in court every other day. It's not going to happen. Now, it doesn't mean we should be complacent. It means we got to work harder than we ever have before and make sure he doesn't get back in. But come on, people. Um, Steve Kornacki, really, especially. What? I think you had a really smart point uh, a minute ago when you said, you sort of suggested that the purpose of this polling is so that each side, you know, all the various stakeholders, they can identify, oh, where are my weaknesses? That's what right. are those weaknesses due to? And strategize about how to shore them up. Them up. That's all. But, but it That's becomes this for. national game of like, oh, it's over. That's not how this works. Yeah. So I hope all of your listeners. I'm sure you. I'm sure you talk about polls all the time, and they're they're sort of inoculated against panic. But it's very hard to resist. It, so. it, it is. But it, it, this is not really aimed at at my listeners because the people who listen to the show. Oh. No better. But right. I have friends, you know, former music industry people, friends of right. mine on Facebook. It's how I keep in touch with them. And one of them, um, you know, a few a month or so ago wrote, I can't believe Joe Biden won't pull out of the race and we're going to lose and Donald Trump is going to get back in because Joe Biden won't quit. Right. Where is it? Stop it. I'm like, Vanessa, cut it out. And I had to explain he's actually doing a much better job than I ever expected. Look at all the things we have infrastructure. Inflation is down. The economy is better than it's been. And we have the best recovery in the world. Stop it. It's you're you're echoing the right wing echo chamber and you're doing their bidding for them. Cut it out. And even if you believe all that's true, I mean, I certainly I, I think. The left has some very, very substantive, valid critiques of, of the Biden administration and how they've done. But I also think you can be pretty much any politician in U.S. history ever and say, and you win on running against this guy. So thank you very much. You've been great. You know, like that's that's pretty much all you, you have to do. But to, but if your friends are genuinely panicked or or they can see the future and they know how this is going to play out 
do something. Yes. You know, do something, do something about it. Exactly. Um, Jonathan Larson, next Monday, I will not be here. I'm taking, I'm taking a few days off. My daughter is coming to visit. So I'm, I'm trying to, I'm hoping she'll move out here. So I'm off this Thursday and Friday and next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but we'll pick up the week after. Okay. And in the meantime, subscribe to thefuckingnews.substack.com. Spell it out like that. Don't be afraid of words. Words can't hurt you. Um, and with that, we're done for today. Jonathan Larson, this is great. Thank you so much. Uh, of course, we only got to a little fraction of what we said we were going to talk about. You'll notice I go off. You know, we plan things, and uh, it's it's Let's wherever the conversation the takes us. The Wayback Machine. Please go check out the Wayback Machine. Talk about a time suck. You can go down a rabbit hole on there, and um, yeah. So go 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 in archive.org support them because that's that's a resource we really need to protect all right enjoy your time off thanks for having thank me you on. so much uh we'll talk to you soon bye bye everyone see you uh, see you tomorrow bye